Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk to Roland and we're going to talk about property because for many people, the property is the biggest asset that they will ever own. But do we manage our property as well as we do financial assets or anything else in life, right? That is the issue and uh, potentially there is also a great solution for this. So that's why I wanted to reconnect with Roland that I know from my good old times at uh, HSBC in London. And uh, very curious to hear what he's up to these days. So how are you today, Roland? Hey, Rudy. I'm very well, and I hope you are too. And listen, I wanted to thank you for uh, for making the time to speak to me. And as you say, property is a big topic. It's a fascinating one. And hopefully some of the things that I'll chat about will be useful for people to hear about. Wonderful. So let's give people a bit of a perspective because I know you from banking times, but what was your journey? How did you get to do what you do today? And ultimately, why have you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. I'll try not to fill up too much time here, but the very quick run through, I trained as an accountant at PwC. I did that because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I became an investment banker, a little bit like you at HSBC. And at that point, I thought that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I was then lucky enough to be offered a role as head of strategy at FNZ and in parallel set up a few property related businesses, including a hotel, buy to let portfolio. So really that's numbers, valuation, technology and property. And I became an entrepreneur as it allowed me to roll the best bits of all of those roles into a single one, which is today the CEO of Knockle. So as I started talking about this before, so the property is probably the most important asset for many people. Some countries you have more homeowners than others, of course, but still on average, this is a huge potential joy or a problem for a lot of people. So do you think that the financial and property worlds serve adequately the customers? Because perhaps it is also a bit of a friction, right? How do you manage your property on an ongoing basis? Yeah, that's, that's a great observation and something that underpins Knockle's strategy. As you rightly point out, that the financial services and property industries largely operate in, in, in two distinct worlds, maybe with the exception of mortgages. The financial services industry hasn't really integrated property into its ecosystem. And we, we think there are huge benefits to, to, to doing that. Let's maybe take a few examples. You're thinking about your retirement plans. Should I draw down my pension? Should I downsize my property? Should I even consider equity release? Or let's say you've secured a hybrid working role, new job, and you want to move out of London. Do you sell your house? Do you let it out? Do you buy a new one? Do you convert the loft? There's some really important financial decisions that really center around 
you know, your single largest asset, which is your home. And very few people really understand what the house is worth. Without going to an estate agent, it, it shouldn't be that way. The property and its value should be tracked like any other financial asset. It's also one of the only assets where you can positively impact its value. For all of these reasons, it's become a focus for us at Knockle, and that's really, we want to help solve the problem for, uh, for everyone. I see. So how can you create wealth through property and how does data play a role here? Because traditionally, many people, when they save up, they put down money on a deposit, they, they take out a mortgage. And then in the UK, they've been most of the time fortunate. So the prices were going up and up until they don't. So how can you create wealth through property and how can you help with your solution? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Not everybody thinks of their home as an investment. And that's not a bad thing. Your home is where you relax, you spend time with your family. We have to be a little bit careful not to just treat it like a financial asset. But nonetheless, it is. it has a significant impact on, on, on your financial situation and your net worth, depending on how you manage it. What most people don't realize is property is a hugely tax efficient way of both saving and also using the benefits of leverage. But by that, I mean mortgages, borrowing. Typically, people will think about how do I, how do I pay down my mortgage as quickly as possible? That's not necessarily the only way to look at it. So maybe let's take an example. Let's say you've got £100 to spend. You invest in stocks and shares, you might get a 10% return. So that's in a, in a year's time, your £100 is worth 110 So you've got £10 back. If you buy a, a property and a 75% loan-to-value mortgage, which is not unusual, then you can generate £20 back, an additional 10 over the 10 through investing in stocks and shares. So why is that the case? Why, why does that really help from a net worth perspective? In effect, you've bought a house worth 400 because the 400 increases at value, let's say 5%, not an unreasonable assumption to make for for growth in, in the property market over the long term. But the difference is all of that value increase you get to keep. Maybe let's say it's 15% return after taking into account costs, interest, et cetera. But e- even so, I don't think people necessarily think about the benefits of having a sensible amount of leverage in property, and property is one of the few assets where where you can achieve that. And of course, you mentioned rightly that the first property that probably people buy is something where they live, their home. Yeah, that's right. And, And that's why there's clearly a balance to strike. It's not all about putting as much leverage into a property as possible, albeit some people do decide to do that. It's striking that balance and having a, a comfortable setup, but but thinking about the big picture, paying down your mortgage in some people's eyes is the definition of success. It might actually be the definition of success for the taxman because you're going to pay half of that away, or almost half of that away by uh, by the time you hand it over to you. And uh, just a little disclaimer though, the leverage works great if the asset values are going up, but it works double badly if they're going down. That's why I think if you have it as your home, you've got to be careful probably not to leverage it up to the roof. That That's right. And this is why, you know, back to your earlier point, bringing the worlds of, of property and financial services with an advice overlay is really important because as you rightly point out, taking on lots of leverage is not the answer. And taking advice and building that into 
you know, the way in which you think about your financial options is really important. And that's that's why we're working with FNZ as our strategic partner. It all fits into the same overall objective to help all consumers develop their wealth. We're just a little bit more focused on the property side of it. So you also mentioned retirement. How does having property help you in your retirement planning? Yeah, sure. There's a number of different directions I could take this conversation, but I guess most people will be aware that the pension gap is in, is increasing. People are not saving as much as they used to for their retirements. I think you get to a point where it becomes pretty difficult for, for the mass population to ignore their single largest assets, their property. That There's also another perspective, and one of the reasons we're working closely with FNZ is really to equip advisors to be able to have a conversation with their clients around when you're making a really important decision around when should I draw down on my pension, when should I start eating into my savings, um, you know, should I, as I mentioned earlier, should I think about equity release? All of these things are, you know, they're difficult, complicated choices to make and having a full perspective of all of the assets that you have at a single point in time becomes quite important to make sure you get to the right answer. So I guess all we're doing at Knockle is just making sure that one of those asset components is is visible to anybody, whether they're making financial decisions on their own or alongside an advisor. So it's about data, information, informed decisions, I think. So what is Knockle? Let's explain it. How does this play? How do you play in all of this? Yeah, and just first of all, to to you have it exactly right. It's it's really Knockle is intelligent, intelligently consolidating property data. There's a huge amount out there, and the amount of data is only going to increase. What we do is look at all the data and package it in a way that helps people make better decisions. Oh, and I should say the the name Knockle is Norwegian for key or to unlock. And I guess what we're doing is helping consumers un- unlock property potential. But the business is really, it's one business, but there are two two components to it, which we call the, the B2C components and the B2B business. B2C is an app that's live in the App Store and Google Play. And the B2B business is an institutional dashboard. So on B2C, the app effectively consolidates information helps buyers find off-market property. You'll be able to look on the app and see 28 million properties in Great Britain and owners of those properties can take ownership of their pre-existing profiles. It's not dissimilar to updating your Facebook profile just for property. And then on B2B, we've created property dashboards for financial institutions. This is all about being able to see your property equity alongside your other assets, stock shares, savings, and as I mentioned before, we're working very closely with FNZ to layer in property equity so clients can see property as part of their holistic net worth. I see. So let's take an example. Let's say that I have a house in, in Oxford or something. And first of all, what should I do when it comes to your app? Do I need to put in some data? Where do I get it? Maybe I don't know how much it's worth or the valuation I have is outdated because we I cared about it when I took out a mortgage or something like this. Where do I get the data to actually have a bit of a view on how much is it worth? And and then what can I do with it afterwards? Sure. So the app has effectively every, almost every property in Great Britain pre-populated on the app. So you could look, you could put your address in, you could find your property. We've got pictures for not every single property, but most properties. 
So you can see the house or flats, the picture, some key data, how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, and you have the opportunity to take ownership of that profile as an owner of the property. Once you do that, you can correct data. Part of the issue is whilst there's a huge amount of data out there, some of it is wrong. So we allow users of the app to, to edit their data. They can add notes, commentary, photos, and again, a little bit like Facebook, you can develop your profile within the app. So this is really about using technology to take control of the data that exists out there. All right. But so what about evaluation? Sorry to press on this. I really would like to know how much this house is worth. Yeah. So Can you help? Absolutely. So the app will tell you what the market valuation for the house is. You need to be a little bit careful when talking about valuation. And you'll know as, as well as I do from investment banking days that different people will have different perspectives on value. If you were to talk to an estate agent, chances are it'll be a high number. If you were to talk to a bank, it'll be a low number. Part of the philosophy of Knockle is to ignore the natural biases that exist within valuation and have what, uh, what we use as the, the intrinsic value or the, the right value. Now, the, the valuation process for properties today is not as good as it should be. So one of the things that we're working on is different ways to improve the quality of valuation. It's very easy to come up with a value for a terraced house on a street. It's much harder to come up with a valuation, a house that sits on its own just outside of a village. So we're by no means saying that there's a simple single answer today, but that's part of what we're working on. All right. But there is a data point that you provide. There is a data point, exactly. Okay. Obviously, you cannot take that number from Knockle app and say, look, the app tells me 1 million, so please put it on the table. But at least it gives you a bit of a perspective, roughly. It does. One of the things that we allow users to do on the app is to set their own price. So if it's your forever home, maybe your price is much higher. If it's, uh, if it's an investment property, there's a number that makes sense from a financial returns perspective. It's really about layering in the data and allowing people to take control of it. And then you can make the decisions that make most sense for you. All right. So the owners can take ownership of the profile. They can make corrections. They can make comments, etc. But you did say that there is plenty of data out there that needs to be corrected. So what's your technology angle? How do you even put it together to begin with? Yeah, so I guess it's a combination of technology and process. It's the technology that exists out there is supporting an increasing amount of data. So I'll give you an example. The, there are ways to look at the gradient of uh, a roof on a house for every single property or most properties in the UK. That technology gives us data that then feeds into our platform that enables us to do some pretty clever things with it. For example, if you have a mortgage application, you could probably tell straight away if there's going to be an issue with the property because banks don't like lending to people who own houses with flat roofs. It creates uh, flood issues, leakage issues. That's just one example. So there's technology that's giving us better quality data. And then the platform itself is really about a sort of consolidation and automation of data um, that gives us a platform to then build a set of intelligent tools that helps consumers 
make better decisions. Much more to come on that front. And the technology piece really comes into its own when that piece of the jigsaw puzzle lands. All right, understood. Now, maybe one more thing, though, because there's plenty of data in the UK. When you look at privately held companies as well, yes, they file simple financials, but they do, right? Is there anything you can use as well when it comes to whatever is filed in the with the council? when people wanted to build their underground garage or something like this, maybe there is a data point that could be useful. Yeah, it's a good example. And the one that we often talk about are things like if you're about to buy a house and you didn't spot a very small planning notice that's gone up in the field opposite, you could very easily end up buying a house where there's a a power plant or a wind farm or picking an extreme example. That's the sort of information and data that it's all publicly available. Where do you go today to see all this information in the same place? I should caveat that the app is evolving and this data will slowly find its way onto the app to help people who have an interest in property to really understand or get a better understanding of property and the influences of value. This is a continuous process as more data becomes available. It'll go through the process that I mentioned before. And the other one, just to throw out another example, is we've been talking to a firm who have a view and a perspective on what flood risk is in 2050. Well, we often don't really think that far ahead, but maybe we should do with all of the climate change and things happening around us. We need to continuously evolve our thinking about the way in which we own and manage property. And before we move on, maybe one more follow up on this, because you said that, you know, you can look at any property in the UK, you see some initial thoughts on evaluation, people can claim the profiles and they can correct them. What if I'm not the owner? Say I'm a tenant, but maybe I'd like to buy that place. So can I see your initial view on the valuation or no? Do you need to be the owner to begin with? No, so anybody can see for any property what value has been attributed. And as we discussed before, people will have different views on what a, a right value happens to be. But there's a data point that's available for anybody using the app. And the idea, we've talked about owners as an example, but if you're a buyer, the app can be used to look for any property in the UK and you can click on the uh, click on the house. It'll show you the information on the house, sometimes a picture and the valuation. And if you really like the house, you can save it to a wish list. And if you save it to the wish list, you have two options. You either leave it there and if the property goes onto the market, we'll send you an alert when your wish list house or dream house is, has become available. Or you can click another button and proactively make an offer for the uh, for the house or to, to reach out to the owner to engage in a conversation. If you find your dream house and you really want to investigate whether the owner is prepared to sell, then you know, if they're on the app, you can have a direct conversation with them. If they're not on the app, then we'll approach them on your behalf. And it's really about taking a perspective on the model that exists today, which is currently houses are either on the market or they're not. And it's a binary thing. What we're saying is it's much more of a spectrum. So not everybody's a seller today, but someone might be a seller tomorrow. There's nothing or there should be nothing that stops you engaging with an owner um, maybe they'll think about selling the next 12 months. And that forms part of the way in which I think for any asset, it's a market um, and sharing sufficient information whilst respecting people's privacy allows 
a more efficient market for buying and selling property, which is really part of the ethos that sits behind Knuckle. Right. How do you find a dream house and save it in the app? And currently, you would look around on the map um, for the property that you have interest in. So you can click on each and every property, probably see a photo, the data. And if you like it, you can save to your wish list. It's probably better set up today for someone who's wandering around a, a village or a town or somewhere where they really like the area and they can just save down all their properties. Um, eventually, we'll be able to filter properties based on criteria. That doesn't exist in the app today, but it's logical that it should exist going forward. All right, so you're live now in the Apple Store, Google Play. So what are your plans for scaling up and going further? Yeah, so we've already scaled up pretty quickly. And so we have our own in-house full-stack team. Um, we'll keep on building and adding to the core team as the franchise grows. Part of that is is really around how successful we are in integrating into the financial institutions. As I mentioned, we're continuously feeding new information into the product, leveraging market developments. One of the, one of the big ones ahead of us is, is open banking and open finance. I think those developments will give us even more data. So there's so much we can potentially do across products, customers, geography. I think the trick is really to keep sufficiently focused to make sure we keep on delivering a product that consumers enjoy. We're going to have to strike that balance very carefully, but great plans ahead. We just need to make sure we can walk before we can run. You did mention that you have in mind to be a B2C and B2B business at the same time, right? So B2C is clear. B2B, you work with banks. What about other players in this ecosystem, namely the real estate agents? Are, are they your competitors or potentially your clients as well? It's a good point. So the way we think about it is the app should be free to users. So everyone should have better access to their own information and have better control over it. And there's no Trojan horse to hook people into uh, making payments for access to something they should have for free. But as you mentioned, part of the business, uh, the B2B or the institutional business is working with large-scale financial institutions. So that's banks, insurers, wealth managers, advisor platforms who have a vested interest in developing better relationships with their clients and customers in a way that allows them to understand their client's financial situation and provide better products and solutions. So the commercial model, it's imp improving the experience for consumers and they should have that for free, but also making sure that they get the right products and solutions. And, and we work with the institutions on that. And that forms part of the commercial model and I guess the value chain. Your other question is on how are we working with other parties? Estate agents comes up on a fairly frequent basis. We get asked if we're competing with estate agents. I should say we're not an estate agent and, and we have no intention to become an estate agent. We just happen to sit at the front of the value chain. And it may very well be that people use the app and they decide, well, actually, I do want to sell my house. I'm not equipped to do that. I need someone to advise me. That's not what Knuckle does. So an estate agent is a, is a very good example of a potential commercial partner that we might work with. The same would go for conveyancing and other services that are typically associated with the buying or selling of property. We're just here to facilitate the process. All right. So it's a B2C angle for the users. It should be free. 
for the banks you of course you can work it out with them but i guess the idea is for them to offer their clients a holistic view of their wealth right and that means potentially that everybody can manage it better which is also an opportunity for banks to make money for real estate agents let's see but I would see a referral route here if I were you. It, it, exactly. And we're not just about buying and selling a property. There's the whole ownership experiences as well. The house sits at the center of not everything, but a very large proportion of the things that we do and think about, whether that's thinking about how I can be more sustainable. Have I really thought through my heating sources? There are so many different things that you associate with the house, which is why I said a little bit earlier, we need to be slightly careful that we don't try and try and do too much. But the engagements that we generate off the back of what is hopefully a very user-friendly, consumer-friendly tool allows us to present solutions to those users, to those consumers. And if they value them, we'll have done our job and we've connected the right people. It's really just a central hub for connecting people and solutions together. All right, understood. So before we go, I just have two easy questions for you. First one, what is your favorite business book, if you have any? Or some people also say, I hate business books because people just congratulate themselves all the time. So I like the Ben Horowitz, Hard Thing About Hard Things. So if you are from that camp, please come up with a different book than this one, because we hear it every time on this podcast. But anything else maybe related to property, how to manage your wealth, anything like that? Yeah, I have a a book that someone recommended to me when I first started working on Knockle. They said, you must read this book, and it's called Inspired, How to Create Tech Products That Customers Love, which might sound a little bit geeky, but my background is actually more financial services than it is technology. And I have to say, just the insights that the book gave in terms of understanding really how you create a consumer product that people enjoy and keep on coming back to. There were some great words of wisdom within that. So that's maybe the book that I would pick. As I say, a little bit techy, a little bit geeky, but but it's been in, invaluable. Yeah. Wonderful. So what's the best way for people to reach out to you? What kind of people would you like to hear from most at this stage? We're all over social media. So any channel works. All of the details are on the website. Very easy to get in contact. We're a developing, evolving, growing business. So we're open to all types of discussions. But the ones we've been prioritizing are you know, industry discussions, any bodies that are thinking ahead to the future, collaboration, ideas, exchange of views. So maybe that's the first one. Commercial partners. What I mean by commercial partners, maybe there's an in- interesting data source functionality we can build into the app, something that improves the the consumer experience by using the app. And the third we've talked about already is referral partners. The financial services and property ecosystem is huge. We're not looking to supply every solution. As we discussed, app users might want to be connected to an estate agent or convince. The list is fairly long. So again, we're open to those types of discussions too. And we all enjoy property fintech, prop tech. So anybody who wants to chat to us about that, then we've always got time for that. Brilliant. So thank you, Roland, and good luck to you and Noko. Thank you, Rudy. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com 
where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.